We are continuing our series today in the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalm 84. There's some Bibles in the pews that you're sitting in, some black hardcover ones. Those will be uh, the same translation that I'm reading out of today. I know some of you just pull it up on your phone. Um, But Psalm 84 is where we're going to be reading. Just take a minute and turn there. I'd love to have you follow along in the scripture today. And one other thing that happened in the life of our church a couple over the past couple of weeks is we had our team go to Panama for our missions trip. So that was an awesome week. I'll talk a little bit more about that in the sermon today. But we had such a great team. And we had a team mostly of teenagers. And uh, for the third year in a row, uh, Christy and I were just able to watch the young people of our church just really be fantastic servants, jumping into the life of this missions trip, serving wherever needed, putting some difficult situations um, hotter down there than it is in here today by a little bit, and uh, and they just served willingly, always had great attitudes. Um, if you had a student that was on this trip as, as parents, you just have to know you should be super, super proud of all the young people. For some of them, this was their first time going on a trip like this. Some of them, it was their first time flying to another country, and they all did great. It was great to see them have these different opportunities to serve, um, I just want to encourage the, the, the Homestead Church body. This is a great opportunity for you to go on a trip like this or for you to send your students on a trip like this. It's just good to get out of the regular culture that we're a part of, to be uh, exposed to other cultures that are around the world, different levels of poverty, but also to have opportunities to serve, to kind of die to self and to get out of our normal routine and serve others um, it is a great environment of just of, of spiritual growth. There's times of prayer. There's times of devotion. There's times where we rally together as a team and are praying together, times of worship. And so I just want to encourage you to, as we have more opportunities like this as Homestead Church, to send your students. It's a great investment in your money. For those of you who helped support a student to go on this, thank you for that. There's no better investment than to invest in the spiritual life of the next generation. But I'd also like to encourage you to go on a trip like this. It's just a great way for God to speak to you in a different way than he normally does. So thank you for that. That was a great, we had a great week in Panama. If you see a Panama team member, ask them how it was. We got lots of good stories, some of which we can share in church. (laughs) We had some some great stories. Um, Probably our best stories ever of the week, of the years that we've gone. So maybe we'll write them down sometime. But Psalm 84 Psalm 84, I'm going to start by reading verse 1 and 2, and we're going to kind of work through most of the psalm today. Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2, it says this, and the words will be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible in front of you. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. We're going to stop there for a minute. Let's pray as we open God's Word today. Heavenly Father, as we look into your Word today, We're reading parts of your scripture that talk about a longing for your presence to be near you. And I pray that you would uh, stir that up in our hearts today. Make the words uh, of the scripture come alive in us today. And may we all grow closer to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 84 verse 1 and 2 is referring to the courts of God. How lovely is your dwelling place. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. It's referring to the courts or the dwelling place of God, the presence of God being with God. God. Now, the psalmist here in the Old Testament is referring to an actual location, an actual spot where we say, that's the courts of the Lord, that's where the presence of God is. And in the Old Testament, it was the temple. 
It was the temple for the Israelite people. Right from when they left Egypt through the wilderness, they set up a tabernacle. It was a, a portable church. They would, they would set it up wherever they camped. Then once they got into the promised land, God led the King Solomon to build a temple. And this was where the presence of God would be. And this continued all the way on through the Old Testament. Even in the Gospels, this is where the, the Israelites are going to offer their worship because this was the presence of of God. We have a different mindset today. We don't come into this room because this has the presence of God. But in the Old Testament, you would go to the temple. And then in the temple, there was the outer courts. Um, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Three times a year, all the Jewish people would go on a pilgrimage to the temple for different feasts and festivals. But even without those times where it wasn't a big festival, people would go daily to the temple and you'd walk up the steps to the temple. There was an anticipation to be near the presence of God because this is where the presence of God was. There was the outer courts where people would come and they'd make sacrifices and they'd give offerings. And then there was the holy place, a different part on the inside of the temple where regular people, quote unquote, could not go in there. This was a place where the high priest would be. This was a place where they would offer sacrifices of atonement for the people of Israel. And then inside the holy place was the holy of holies. And this was surrounded by a veil or a big curtain. This was where God's presence was. And God's presence was holy and revered where people would not go in there. Once a year, the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This had the actual, tangible presence of God in there. It was so holy and revered that uh, tradition says that the, the high priest, what they would do is they would tie a rope around his ankle because in case the presence of God was so overwhelming and the high priest happened to be struck down dead, nobody was going to want to go in there to pull out the high priest because they would be dead too. So they would have a rope just in case so they could pull him out. I mean, this was the thick, tangible presence of God. And this was a big deal. And this is what was happening. And so when the psalmist today is talking about how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty, my soul yearns, it even faints for the courts of the Lord. It's talking about going to the temple to be near God. There was great delight in going to the temple to participate in corporate worship because this is where God was. Verse 3 says this, when I first read it, I thought, well, that's a weird verse to kind of throw in there, but it says this, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young a place near your altar. Now, this is a very literal thing for the psalmist who's writing this because they would look and they're only allowed to be in the outer courts, but as birds do, they fly around and they find little corners and they find places to nest and to raise their young. And they would see birds that would fly into the holy place and they would be tucked away in a corner building their nest and raising their young. And the psalmist is saying, man, they are even those birds are so fortunate because they get to live near the presence of God. They get to live in this place where God is. Um, you might not know this about my wife, Christy, but she has a tattoo. Some of you might be thinking, ah, tattoo, I thought this was a Christian church. But she, had, 
She had a uh, she had a tattoo. She has a tattoo on her ankle with Psalm 84, verse three. Because when we started having kids, God put that verse on her heart. How blessed it is to raise your young near the presence of God, to raise them up in an environment that is close to the presence of God. Um, so I don't know. Maybe she'll show you her ankle tattoo today. I think the story was. The story was that she went to the tattoo parlor and wanted a nest, and then with each, I think that what the plan is, with each kid that graduates from high school, we're going to, not we, I'm not going to do it, maybe she'll let me do it, I could learn how to do that, another bird is going to be around that nest, but the tattoo artist said, I can't do a a tiny little nest, in order to make it look like a nest, it's going to have to be quite large, and she said, okay, maybe not, maybe not that, so we just have Psalm 84 verse 3 on her ankle, I say we like I had anything to do with it. I've been thinking about getting a tattoo, but I just don't know what to put, right? I don't want to, I don't know what, maybe you have suggestions or where it should go. I don't think I'm a, I'm a chain or a barbed wire around the bicep guy because it's just not that overwhelming. Um, so maybe you can help me with that. Sorry, I'm getting off track. Some of you thought you were coming to church and just talking about tattoos, so, but Verse 3, the psalmist is talking about this. He even recognizes the birds that nest in there, how fortunate they are because they are near God. They get to be there all the time. Maybe you're thinking that today in church. Boy, I just wish I could be in church all the time and never have to leave. Um, Maybe not. But verse 4 continues on. Psalm 84, verse 4. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage or a journey. Talking about this idea of we're journeying towards the temple. We're going towards the temple to the presence of God. Verse 6 says this, As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with ponds. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. He's talking about that pilgrimage, that journey that people would go on. And I love that phrase. I mean, there's so many great phrases in there. Who, blessed are those whose strength is in, in you, whose hearts are set on a journey towards God as they pass through the valley of Baca. Now, that was an actual location to, for a lot of people to go towards the temple. They'd walk through the valley of Baca. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. But it was a wilderness place. The word Baca means a place of weeping or insignificance. This would be an actual location they would walk through. And the psalmist is saying, even when we walk through that difficult, dry, parched land, it's almost like we're going from strength to strength because the presence of God, we know we're on a journey towards God. So even when we're walking through a wilderness, it's like that desire for God's presence turns that wilderness into a place of strength. Or even like a, a, a spring, a rain, a, um, a healthy, vibrant place. So maybe translating that to our world today, when you're walking through not a metaphorical wilderness, or not a literal wilderness, but a metaphorical wilderness where you're going through a difficult time, just that desire to be near God's presence takes that difficult time and turns it into a rejuvenating, a, a, a time of strength, of rejuvenation, of flourishing They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. I love that imagery of driving through or going through or traveling through something difficult because you know the destination is ahead of you. You know you're traveling towards God. We took a road trip a few years ago to western Canada where I grew up in Calgary, Alberta, close to Banff, beautiful part of the world. 
Um, I still have a brother that lives in Edmonton. So we took a road trip from here to there. Now, to get to beautiful Banff, um, and I'm using this with the knowledge that when we're talking about the presence of God, the presence of God is thicker in Canada. So it kind of applies today. But to travel from here to beautiful Banff, and here is beautiful as well, you got to drive through North Dakota, you got to drive through Manitoba, and you got to drive through Saskatchewan. That is the modern-day equivalent of the Valley of Baca, right? You just drive through there. I remember Lucy was learning to drive, and we were going through Saskatchewan. And the Trans-Canada Highway, she was on that road, and there is nothing. I mean, it is flat, and it is straight. And Lucy turned to me after a few hours and said, Dad, I have not turned the steering wheel in like three hours. What is this place? Where are you taking us? And I said, it's, it's, we're on a journey towards God. It's Banff. It's Alberta. We're going to get there. That idea of going through something. I remember in college, I was a part of a music group that traveled around. And Christy at the time, we were dating. We were not yet engaged, but we were dating. Um, and uh, she was traveling as well. And there was one day, we hadn't seen each other in several weeks. And there was one day where we, where we were going to do our next concert at a church, her group was going to be there too. And so I knew this journey, this next six hours... I was going to get to see Christy. So it didn't matter how, what we drove through because I knew the destination. I got to see Christy. I was very excited. I think in faith that she was excited to see me as well. But that was this idea of going through something. doesn't matter what you're walking through. doesn't matter if you're driving through Saskatchewan. You know where you're headed. For the people going to the temple, it doesn't matter when you're walking through the Valley of Baca. You know that you're getting to the presence of God. It's this idea that the psalmist is conveying. It's this longing to be in God's presence. I'm on my way to God, and that hope and that longing causes me to go from strength to strength, to be in a time where the, rain, the spring rains come down, a time of flourishing and nourishment because we are longing for the presence of God. Earlier in the book of Psalms, Psalms 42 is a, song, a psalm that talks about as the deer longs or pants for water. So my soul longs for you. So many of the psalms are talking about a longing for God's presence. And these psalms give us this beautiful poetic language and emotion, just longing to be with God, to be in his presence, to experience the life that he gives. And for them, for the psalmist, you could find that in an actual location. You go to the temple and there it is, the presence of God, this healing, this life, this peace and joy that he gives. You could find that location, but you had to go to that location to experience the presence of God. So for us today... We don't have a location. We don't have a location where we go and say that's where God's presence is. But we have a heart. We have God's presence in us. And so what happened was, and some of you know this, and some of you this might be new to you, but in the Old Testament, the book of Joel, chapter 2, 28, there's a prophecy that says, in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all people. So we read that, and it doesn't really have the same meaning that the original audience would have thought when they heard this prophecy. This would have been a great longing for an Old Testament Israelite. This prophecy that said, one day we're not going to have to go to the temple and to the holy place to experience God's presence. But his presence is going to be poured out on all people. For them, they would have thought, that is amazing. This longing we have for his presence here in the temple will be available to us any time, any place that his temple will be in us. His presence will be poured out on all people. 
And in the book of Acts in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit is poured out, if you've read that, the, after Jesus is, has been crucified and risen and has ascended to heaven, he said, wait to the disciples. And the Holy Spirit was poured out. And in that moment, those words from the book of Joel were quoted. The disciple Peter got up and quoted those words from the book of Joel and said, remember, everybody, this is what was prophesied that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. And uh, if you've read the Gospels, you know the story of Jesus when he was crucified in the temple, in the holy place, in the Holy of Holies, that big veil or that big curtain that surrounded the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, that veil was torn, literally torn. We talk about it figuratively, meaning that God's presence is no longer confined. And that's what it meant. The Holy Spirit, the presence of God, is in and around all people. This is the last days. This is God's spirit in the people. We don't have to go to the temple. And just that fact alone, we should be amazed and humbled at the presence of God that is available to us. If the psalmist who wrote this was here today, he would say, you have to understand this is a big, amazing deal that God's presence is with you. Wherever you go, God's presence is with you. So as we read Psalm 84, here's the goal for us today in the few minutes I have left. Here's the goal for us as we apply Psalm 84 to our life. And this is the goal for any follower of Jesus, to get to the point where the emotion of this psalm applies to us, to get to the point where uh, not as we walk to church or go to the temple, but as we walk through each day, the goal as every follower of Jesus, is to be mindful of his presence that's with us, to have a longing for God's presence as we go through every day, every detail of our life, to have a longing to be close to God in the same way that these Old Testament Israelites longed to be with his presence in the temple. That's the goal for us, right, as a follower of Jesus. Don't you want to have that be part of your life where you just long for his presence and you can be near him and you walk with him every day? It's that presence of God that goes with us. And it's good that we don't have to go to a location. We don't have to go to a temple. But the struggle is this, is that it might almost be easier, and I was thinking about this week, it might almost be easier if it was this room and we knew we could come into this room and we could experience God's presence. Because then I would take all the guesswork out of it, right? It would be easy. I walk into the room and, oh, I feel God's presence. Yes, amen, and we worship, and then we can go on with our day. It would almost be easier to have a set location where we knew for a fact that we were experiencing God's presence. Because for some of you, are, you're thinking, sure, I would love to experience God's presence. I don't know when it's happening. I don't really feel it. How do I know? So it would almost be easier for us if we said, I go here and God is there. So I want to read those verses again from Psalm 84. And I want us to think about not the literal location of the presence of God, but this idea of being aware that he is with us every day. So I'm going to read these verses again. Apply that to your heart and how that would feel to know that God is with you. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord or the presence of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar. 
Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on a pilgrimage or a journey. As they pass through the valley of Baca or the valley of insignificance or weariness or dryness or desert, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Man, that is a great way to live life, right? Don't you want to live life that way? If that knowledge of God's presence drawing near and being close to him, that's how I want to live. That's how I want to live more and more. And maybe you've never thought about living each day in the presence of God, but this is the call on your life. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be aware, to be longing for his presence more and more. So the question is today, in the few minutes I have left, how do you do this? How do we do this? You might be thinking, that sounds great. How do I do this? I've never experienced the presence of God. How do I do this? And it's easy for me, the pastor, the preacher, to get up and say churchy things. Like, you just have to draw near to God. Draw near to God. Press into the Holy Spirit. Press into the presence of God. And those things sound good, like on Twitter. You know, pastor's on fire today. Great word. You know, I don't like tweetable sermons. But maybe, you, you know, you hear things that sound good, but then you're thinking, well, what does that mean? How do I draw near to God? How do I press in? How do I become aware of his presence? And one thing you've heard me say, and I'll just mention it now, is it's just engaging your mind. It's reading the word. It's spending time in prayer. It's what we did this morning in worshiping, having it being more about songs, but about recognizing the truths of God's word and who he is when we're singing about God's faithfulness, allowing your mind to engage, saying, yes, he has been faithful. Look at all the blessings I have. Look at how he has provided for us. So I want to encourage you, just those practical things. Spend time praying, reading the word, engaging your mind, engaging your heart in worship. But I'm just going to mention that, and I've said those a hundred times. We need to read the word. We need to make the word of God part of our regular life. But I want to talk about two other things today. Two other practical ways that we can be mindful of the presence of God, that we can dwell in the presence of God, that the presence of God can come and impact our everyday life. There's two things, and they are this. The first is gratitude, and the second is trust. So I never do this, and I don't like when preachers do this, but everyone say gratitude. gratitude. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. I'm sorry. Everyone say trust. We got gratitude and we've got trust. These are two ways that we can have a regular day turn into a day where we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit. So gratitude is this. It's more than just being thankful for good things. It's more than just being thankful. What I want to encourage you today is more than just being thankful, it's seeing God in the good things recognizing God in the good things, taking moments and thanking him for the good things, taking moments and thanking him for his mercy, taking moments every day and just thanking him that your relationship with God is right because of what Jesus has done, that you are forgiven, that your past has been set free because of Jesus' blood and his mercy, taking moments and thanking him that that relationship is secure, that eternity is secure, not because of our righteousness, but because of what Christ has done, taking moments of gratitude, expressing to God thankfulness that he walks with you, even when you can't sense it, we know and we trust the word of God when it says that he will never leave us or forsake us, that his presence is with us every day. We take moments and we thank God with gratitude that he is working for our good 
In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. These are promises of Scripture. So some of these blessings I want us to be mindful of and not just be thankful for good things that happen, but recognizing that God is in the good things. Whenever you encounter something good, something beautiful, and it doesn't have to be churchy, how does God stir your heart? How does God stir your heart? For some of you, it's like me, it's getting out in nature, being outside, being in Alberta, getting through Saskatchewan, you know, being in the mountains, being on water, being in nature, that is where God speaks to me. For Dennis, it's fishing, I'm sure. He gets out in nature, and for whatever it is that stirs your heart, more than just, oh, this is beautiful, oh, this is fun, oh, I feel relaxed, that's a, that's a part where God, that's an area of your life where God wants to speak to you. It might be in being creative. It might be in relationships. It might be in, in serving others. It might be in worshiping God. Whatever it is that stirs your heart, God has designed you uniquely for that. So more than just saying, oh, this is nice, oh, this is good, more than saying, oh, look at that beautiful sunset, I'm going to insta that sunset, it is recognizing God in that. God, you have been good God, you are beautiful. Look at what you have provided. For me, I love getting up in the mornings, and I've been getting up early for some reason. It's not in my DNA, but maybe I'm getting old enough where I get up early now. But I sit in the backyard. The sun's coming up. It's a beautiful morning. And more than just saying, oh, this is peaceful, it's, God, look at how good you are. God, look at how you have blessed us. God, look how beautiful your creation is. It's gratitude that's more than thanks. It's bringing God into the good things. It's recognizing that God's Spirit is present with you every day. It's more than just happiness. I experience that whenever I'm in the building, working on the new building, even when I'm pounding away at a cement wall with a sledgehammer. I love those moments because I look around and I'm excited for this church building. It's more than a building. I say, God, look at what you have provided for your church. Look at all the good things that are happening. Look at these gentlemen who are here volunteering their time. God, you are good, and I'm mindful of his presence in that circumstance, in that environment. This trip to Panama, I had so many moments. Christy and I often have moments where, you know, the the students of our church are performing a human video or a, a creative element for a school assembly, and we're We're conveying the gospel message to thousands of Panamanian students that don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. In those moments or when we're doing the conference together and our students are involved on stage doing all sorts of creative things, Christy and I have had like hundreds of moments where we look at each other and we say, look how good God is. Look at what God is doing. Look how fortunate we are to get to be a part of this. Even, uh, Even a couple nights ago upstairs, I heard our two youngest daughters, Betty and Dottie, interacting with each other in happiness and joy. And first of all, I was struck like, wow, that hardly ever happens with those two. But that more than just a, wow, what's going on upstairs, it was a moment of, I just felt it. I was mindful of God's presence. God, you've blessed me with an amazing family. Look how good you are to us. Look how good you are to us. So the first way we can do that to be mindful and long for God's presence is just be grateful and bring God into the good. So gratitude was the first one. Just this week, instead of saying, oh, this is good or this is happy, insert God's presence into that because every good thing comes from God. Family, beauty in nature, his provision, every good thing comes from God. So allow that to be a way where your heart engages in the presence of God. And the second one is trust. Second one is trust. Where gratitude was bringing God's presence to mind during good things, trust 
is bringing God's presence to mind in the difficult things, or even the mundane things. Maybe you're thinking, I haven't experienced anything good in weeks. I go to work, it's the same job, office job, I drive home, I fight traffic, I, you know, I try to get the kids to sports practice, and it's just mundane. Trust is bringing God into that, saying, God, I know you are here with me in this circumstance. I know you have me here for a purpose. And bringing God in, saying, God, I trust you to open doors where maybe I'm in this office environment. Maybe I am coaching this team. Maybe I am in this school because you have something for me to to do. God, I open my heart. I trust you in every area of my life. Bringing God in through trust. But it's also trusting him in the difficult times. Times of stretching. When we're walking through the valley of Baca, the mundane. The times where you feel invisible. The times where you're walking through a desert. It's dry. It's weary. You are weary. Times of stretching and storm and trial difficult seasons, times of fear and uncertainty. Trust is where we say to God, I know you're with me. I know you're with me, even if I don't feel it. And I know you are God, and I know you are good, and I know that no matter what, your presence is with me. And this fills any circumstance with those same emotions that the psalmist was conveying. When you're walking through a difficult time, you're saying, I know this is mundane or this is routine or this is hard, this is a storm, but with the presence of God with me, it's like I'm going from strength to strength. I'm walking through this knowing that God is my nourishment and my source. God, I trust you, even in the valley of Baca, even in mourning and weeping, your presence is there, turning this drought into a spring of life. Amen? This isn't that what we want to live with our life. This is what God's presence does when we trust him. There is great peace here. There is joy here in the midst of any circumstance. There's great comfort here in the midst of any circumstance. There's times where God's going to ask you to take a step of faith. For us, it was starting this church five years ago. God put on our heart to start a church in Farmington. There's been other times where God spoke to us to take a step of faith. There's that uncertainty. But when we have the mindfulness of the presence of God, that comes out by saying, God, in this step, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I trust you. We've walked through difficult seasons. We've walked through seasons where our kids were not healthy where our kids were sick. Charlie was born super early, a 28-week preemie 18 years ago. That was a moment where there was real honest conversations with God. But every time it, come down, it came down to God asking us, do you trust me? Do you trust me that even in this, that I am good and that I am God and that my presence is with you? No matter what, we walk through these times with strength and with flourishing and with nourishment from God. There is that moment where we say, and I want to encourage you with this, declaring your trust in God no matter what. No matter what situation you're in, declaring your trust in God. This is where you bring this presence of God into your life. A trust in God that impacts your life above everything else. We've been walking through this this week. Um, A couple weeks ago, I mentioned some friends of ours who are pastors in Northfield. Um, Jeff and Tiffany went. Tiffany was battling cancer. She battled breast cancer several years ago, and then it came back unexpectedly and just quick. And Tiffany passed away on Monday morning. We were praying for her. Um, There has been an outpouring of support for that family, for Jeff and their five young kids. Um, And we as a church, I, I texted Jeff this week, and I said, as a church and as a family, we just, I know you've got people who are saying this, but we're close to Northfield. We can send people, we can send preachers or worship leaders, or we can just help with whatever. Um, But what we have seen 
through them, and they've been posting different things on video. They actually had a, a clip of Tiffany preaching at a service in Wilmer a few months ago, and, and she, walked, she knew she was sick, and she walked through this saying, every time I, I get fearful, I hear God asking these questions, am I God, and am I good? And through this difficult journey, she was able to say, God, I trust you. I trust you, no matter what the outcome. And she was able to say, even if God takes me to heaven, I trust that he's going to look after my kids. I trust him in this. It's bringing this reassuring, life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit into our everyday life. We're walking through this with Christie's grandpa, Grandpa Dwayne Pennington. He's been around here. Um, wonderful man. He is, you know, he's coming to the end of his life. He's 98. Um, he had a fall uh, a week ago, broke his hip. So it's basically, you know, it's just pain management, and we are walking through the last days of Grandpa Dwayne's life. We are able to say, God, we trust you with him. And, and more than that, we're able to walk through, and I've seen Christy and Ann and Roger and, and Christy's sister Kate, if you'd be thinking of them and praying for them this week. But more than that, they're walking through with, with uh, recognizing God's presence and it stirs up in them as gratitude. Thank you, God, for your presence in this situation. Thank you that we know Grandpa Dwayne is going to heaven. Because we can say to Grandpa Dwayne, just go to heaven. You know, it's okay. It's going to be way better than right here where you're at in this bed. Because we have this gratitude of God, of what he has done. And we recognize the life that he has given Grandpa Dwayne and the legacy that he has passed down to his kids and to our kids and to us. We see with gratitude, God, you are good. You are good. This is what the psalmist is talking about today. We're not talking about going to a temple. We're not talking to go to a place to experience God's presence. It's bringing God's presence into every situation in our life. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. No matter what you're going through, is he good and is he God? Verse 10 through 12, I want to read these as we're wrapping up today. Verse 10 through 12 of Psalm 84. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I love that idea. Better is one day. Just one day bringing the Spirit of God into your life. Just one day seeking after His presence. Then thousands you could spend doing anything else. We've got a world of people spending every one of their days seeking after the things of the world. And we have the truth that says that God is saying, trust me in this. Better's one day. Just one day spent in the presence of God than anything you can spend your entire life on. I've experienced that. You've experienced that. God, we want that presence to be alive in us. Better's one day in your courts than the rest of our life we could spend following the cares of the world. You will never, you'll never regret the times where you have put your gratitude and your trust in God. I talked about those Panama moments, those moments where we see God doing things in the, in the students of our church, where we see God using those moments where God is allowing his light to go into some of the darkest places you will find, using our students to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are the moments where I say, and Christy says, I'm so glad we get to do this. I'm so glad we said yes to God when he said plant this church in Farmington. Those moments where I'm swinging a sledgehammer at the building, where I'm seeing the building come together, I look around and I say, I'm so glad I said yes to God. Look at what I get to be a part of. 
church moments where we see families connecting. We're playing kickball a couple of nights ago and relationships that are built. And I'm seeing the older guys of our church hanging out with the young boys of our church, mentoring them, pouring into them. And I say, I'm so glad we get to be a part of this. Look at what, is, look at what God is doing. Would I rather be chasing after the things of the world? No, I said yes to God, and I'm so glad I did. I've never regretted it once. I'm so glad I said yes. I want us to be thinking of that not only with our lives, but as that verse 3 and Christie's ankle says, it's important to think about this with our kids as well, raising them up, recognizing the presence of God. That's why we're having kids' church, but that's one morning a week. Parents, Raise your kids up in all the good things, but raise your kids up in an environment that recognizes the presence of God, that has a heart that longs for the presence of God. I'm so thankful that Christy is someone who has a love for the presence of God, and as a wife and a mom, she brings that into our home. That's one of the many things that I love about her, but our kids are growing up in a home that they notice and are mindful of the presence of God. This is what Psalm, 40, or Psalm 84 looks like for us. Blessed are those who dwell who are constantly aware of the safety of God's presence. It's like they've set up camp in the holy place, constantly aware of his presence. They walk through life from strength to strength. Even then they walk through the valley of weeping, the valley of obscurity. It becomes like a spring of life because they are walking with God. Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence that goes with us. Make that real to us. In the good circumstances, may it be more than just happiness. May it be a gratitude and recognizing your presence with us. And for those who are walking through the wilderness right now, may it be a presence that, is, that we are mindful of that comes out in trusting you in the mundane or the difficult, the times of sickness or battle. We trust you. We say yes to you. And I pray for every one of us that at the end of this week and at the end of this year and years down the road, we'd be able to look back and we'd say, I'm so glad I trusted him. I'm so glad I opened my heart to God's presence. I'm so glad I said yes to him. Look at what he has done in my life, in my family, in my church, in my community. That's what we want, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, Homestead Church, for being here today. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.